0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. We are in our message series called Moses, and we've been looking at the life of Moses, and I'm really excited for today's message. God has really laid it on my heart. Um, I, I love what happens here in chapter 15. We're going to dig into that and, and look at how God can heal us through our bitter situations. So let's pray and then we'll jump into this message. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love and I thank you for your grace and I thank you for Jesus Christ. And I just ask God that you would bring healing to all of our people. Uh, Not just those in Thorn Creek, uh, they need it, uh, but all the people in our community, all the people in our country and in our world who are affected by this coronavirus, God, and who are even getting sick just from normal flu or allergies or anything like that. God, there's just lots of sickness, and I pray, God, that you would bring healing, that you would watch over each person and that you would just give them a peace, that you are with them and that you will you will carry them through this, God. So we pray for your healing. We pray for Pastor Reuben and all of our leadership and our volunteers here at Thorn Creek Church, God. I pray for this message, God. Would you just kind of set me aside? And would your words come out of my mouth, God? And I pray that you would use this message to speak hope and encouragement into our lives, God. We love you so much. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, we are in our series called Moses, and we've been looking at the life of Moses and how we can relate to him. And, you know, Pastor Ruben said it so well, and he said, Moses started out his his ministry, if you will, uh, saying, who am I, right? When God called him, that was Moses' response, who am I to go do all of this? And God spent the rest of Moses's life showing Moses who I am, right? Who Yahweh is, who God is, and He's done this, and, and I just think it's so great. And we see that even today, we're you know we're going to jump into uh, the Israelites after the Red Sea, but let's let's talk about what we've already looked at. So we started with the call of Moses, and we just said that you know He God calls him, and He says, "Who am I? I I, I stumble, and when I talk, I'm tongue-tied. I can't do this." And God says, "No, no, no, no. I am." In sending you. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created all of creation, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega is sending you. And so we see God point out who he is and how, how we can live our life following the great I am. And then we saw the plagues, right? And God sends Moses and Aaron off to Pharaoh and they tell Pharaoh, let my people go, let God's people go so that we may worship him. It was so important that God be worshiped and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And so God did these 10, 10 plagues. There was, you know, turning the Nile into blood and there were frogs and gnats and flies and locusts. And there was hail and there was darkness and there was boils and there was all these different things. And it ended with that last plague, the plague of the firstborn where God came and took all of the firstborn of Egypt. And he passed over all of the Israelites who had painted the the blood of the the sacrificial lamb over their doorposts right and god delivered them and and brought them up out of this and it, it basically just made the egyptian state finally say just get out of here your god is bigger than our god we recognize it just go on get out of here and then last week Uh, after they leave Egypt, Pastor Reuben talked about how they went out to the Red Sea. In fact, we we learned that God realized they didn't have enough faith to just go directly to the promised land. He knew that if they went, they would encounter uh, the Philistines and the Canaanites and all these people, and they would get discouraged and they would go back. So he took them a different route. And the Egyptians see that, and they think that they're all confused. They don't know where they're going. And then they realize, the Egyptians realize, hey, we just told all of our slaves, all of our slave labor to leave. We need to go get them back. And so they get their army and they chase them. And the Israelites are stuck between the sea, the Red Sea and this Egyptian army that has chariots and horsemen and all kinds of uh, this huge army. And God opens up the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. And and then God just, as the Egyptians pursue them, he, he releases the waters of the Red Sea, and it destroys all of the Egyptians. And after God delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea, they sing this wonderful song that we see as we pick up in Exodus 15. So starting in verse 1, it says this, it says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, your majest- was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the, last of, by the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until your people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground, Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Whew! God is amazing. God has done a mighty thing. He has done this miraculous thing. The Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. I don't know about you, but that that part always sticks out to me. Like they had these walls of water and I know it was all a huge miracle, but this idea that they walked on dry ground, one that God, first of all, thought of it right that he was already thinking like if i just move the water and i don't make the dry, the ground dry then there's going to be all this mud and it's going to collect on all the wheels and they're never going to get through like it's just going to become this huge bog right so he thinks of it and then he just makes it happen not only does he move that water but he removes the water from the ground so that they walk through on dry ground i just think it's amazing right and let's think about this a bit right apart from god moving they were doomed They were stuck up against the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army, this massive army, well-trained chariots and horsemen and all kinds of trained officials were, were bearing down on them. And there were a lot of Israelites, right? Some scholars estimate somewhere between two to three million people in that whole Israelite camp, right? There were a lot of people. It would have been a long battle, but they weren't a trained army, in fact, just the day before, they were slaves in Egypt, right? They weren't organized. They didn't have this chain of command. They didn't have all of these warriors ready to go and fight. They didn't have chariots and all this kind of stuff. They were, you know, they were doomed if they were going to have a battle with the Egyptians. And God was the only one who could save them, right? And he did it. He did it in an amazing way. And so there was no doubt that it was God who saved them. And they sing this beautiful song. They sing this beautiful song to the Lord, praising him and just remembering what he has done. And they even get to this part where they're like, I mean, they are encouraged, right? They talk about what's going to happen. The the Philistines and the Canaanites and the the people of Moab and Edom, they're all going to stand still as we pass by because this is how great our God is. They are, I mean, this is the, the pinnacle of celebration that they have going on here because God has saved them. And so they've they've recorded this song, they've written it down so that other generations can know what God has done, right? And I, I don't know about you, but have you ever had God move in your life in an amazing way like that? Um, you know, not all of us get to have these moments with God where we see these huge miracles, like a miracle of the Red Sea parting, like not many of us get to see that, right? But we ha- we see God moving in our lives. I know I have. I know I've seen God move. I know God has done things in my life. He has worked in circumstances where I know it was him. It wasn't anything else, right? And we have these moments where God intervenes and he shows us himself, right? And in these moments, our faith increases. Our our relationship with him grows. We, we get to know him more, right? It's those situations that show us who God is, right? That he's the God of, of finances, right? He, he works and he provides for us and he's the one who will go before us. And and maybe he works where someone has, you know, he's put on someone's heart and they just say, hey, you know, I think I think you need this money right now. Or maybe he provides that next job or whatever it is. And God is our provider. He is our great provider and he moves in ways that we don't always understand and, and not only does he give us what we need, but his desire, his heart's desire, is to give us our heart's desires. He he gives us more than we need. He is the God of all finances and, and, and the God who loves us. Or he's the God of relationships. God can work in marriages, he redeems them and restores them and rebuilds them. He works in families, even blended families, bonding them even closer together. God is the God of relationships. He can work in your relationship and provide forgiveness and repentance and he can he can work in hearts and, and, and even bring back a strange estranged children or other family members that you've you've lost contact with he is the god of relationships or he's he's also the god of health he heals he hears our prayers so many right now need the prayers and need god to move in their life and in their health and he is the one who does he heals the sick and he moves in miraculous ways and and sometimes he works through doctors and medicine and he he works through all things for our health and, and, he, and he listens. He's the God of health. He's the God of relationships. He's the God of finances. He is the God of, of just love. And he is the Lord over all, over everything. And our trust grows in him. And our faith grows in him when we see him move. And so it's so important that we we, we see that and, and he's so gracious to move in our lives in such a way because when our faith grows and when we see him move, we're less anxious, we're less worried, we're less threatened by the changes and the challenges that life throws at us. Our our, our faith in God grows bigger than than our worry about life. Right? And that's the Israelites right now. They're riding On this huge high just knowing that they'll be taken care of by God because God is with them God is with them and God is with you and now let's continue on in verse 15 because it changes dramatically right it changes dramatically what what else would we expect from the Israelites so verse 22 chapter 15 it says then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur for three days how many days? 3 days. Write that in the chat. 3 days. 3 days they traveled in the desert without finding water. So they couldn't find water for 3 days. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. If you have if you were looking in your Bible, you'll see a little note and it, that footnote says Mara, the 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 Hebrew word sounds like the the word for bitter. Or bitterness, and so that's why they call it Mara. So, verse twenty-four. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, "What are we to drink?" Now, today's message is titled, "It's your fault," right? And it's because we see the Israelites jump right there, and they grumbled towards Moses, right? This life situation happened. They're walking around, they don't have water, and they grumble towards Moses, and they say, "What?" are we going to drink? And if you remember from last week, they grumbled at the Red Sea as well to Moses. This is kind of their their MO, the Israelites right now, because they are growing in their faith with God. They're not fully there. they're, They're still learning who he is. I mean, he's done this amazing thing. And deliver them from the Red Sea. But before that, they complained and they said, you know, why did you bring us out here, Moses? Did you just bring us out here to die? We should have stayed in Egypt. Let's go back, right? And now they're saying, you know, Moses, why did you bring us out here? There's no water. We can't even drink it. What are we supposed to drink? Now, I do want to give the Israelites a little bit of grace here in the sense of that it's, I mean, water's important, right? They've been without water for three years days. This is nothing to scoff at, right? Like, I mean, it's a thirst has a very strong power over us. Uh, have you ever been without water? Have you ever been concerned about water? I was, uh, this in September, I was out doing my elk hunt. And, uh, if you remember, September, uh, was pretty warm. Uh, there was a storm kind of at the beginning of, of, uh, September, but most of the rest of it was really warm. And I was out hiking in this and, um, I took with me about three liters of water. I had two liters in this Camelback, and then I had a, a Nalgene that has about a liter of water in it that I would take with me. And, and I hiked out, and I probably went out about four or five miles to look around and everything. And you know, each day I would start out at sunrise or before that, and I'd be walking. But by the time I got to my first spot or where I wanted to sit for a while, I mean, it was like it was getting warm, and I'm drinking water, and I'm really thinking about like, man, I'm, it's just the start of the day and I'm, I'm really digging into my water and there was this one day where it was just really hot and I decided to come back and, and I'm coming back and I'm recognizing like even before I start my walk back, my four or five mile hike back that I've already drained my camelback, like I two liters of my three liters is gone and I've got this ways to go and and I know I wasn't at risk of dying of thirst or anything but it really gets a hold of you right like there's this idea where you like I'm thirsty and I only have a certain amount of water and if if I go through that water and I go through too quickly then I've got to walk and I'm thirsty and it's just miserable and so you know but but knowing all of that stuff and and everything it's, it's a real concern so I understand where the Israelites are coming from. They've been walking. In fact, survivalists will tell you there's this rule of threes, right? It's it's three minutes without air, you can survive three hours in severe uh, weather without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food. So we're at that three day part. They're they're concerned about becoming dehydrated. There's lots of them. They have. Flocks and herds and all kinds of animals that they have to take about, right? Uh, take care of. So it's important for them. They they weren't just thirsty. They didn't just need a glass of water. They needed that water. And so when they came to this water, and, and here it is, and now it's bitter, it, it's brackish, it's 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 salty, it's undrinkable. They they have this water, they've come up upon it, but they can't drink it. It's not good for them. It won't quench their thirst, it won't hydrate them. They, they need that so desperately, but they can't get it from here. And so they're so frustrated. And just like that, and just like that, they have forgotten who was with them. That God was with them. They, they, they couldn't even see the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night that was leading them and guiding them, right? They, they were just so enthralled in their thirst and so caught up in it. See, God had just miraculously saved them, but they forgot. They didn't really know who it was that was leading them, who was with them. It was Yahweh. It was I am, the great I am. And it's it's easy to cast this judgment on the Israelites, right? I mean, as we read this and we read through, you know, chapter 14 and chapter 15, it's just a few paragraphs, right? All of this happens. But this is three days of walking in the desert and traveling and moving, you know, and, 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 and there's thirst. And it's not something that we experience as we read this, but it's not uncommon for us as well in this day, you know, to be like this to 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 have this memory loss because i I want you to i want you to hear this bitter water can cause memory loss you hear that bitter water can cause memory loss like we're not walking this with them but we've we've experienced this we have bitter waters in our life we have things that happen that overshadow who we know God to be and we can get caught up in those moments right like it could be like after much waiting and much prayer God has delivered and and answered your prayer and you get the job that you need but you know now we have the economy going and and it's 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 hurting and, and they're talking about layoffs right and they're talking about cutting pay and we forget about who who it was that got us that job in the first place? We forget who was with us and who provided for us. Uh, we have short-term memories. That that bitter water messes with our memory, can cause that memory loss. Or maybe maybe you've you know God's healed and restored your marriage, right? But now the family you've got kids who are who are just having problems. They've got resentment, and, and you're you're like, I who's going to take care of this? How's this going to happen? What, you know, you're like the Israelites. What are we going to drink, Moses? How's my life going to going to work? We forget about who God is. Maybe God has has answered your prayers of physical healing before. God has moved and, and He has kept you, or it's just kept you healthy your entire life. And now we have COVID, and we have this stuff just spreading around, and, and your shortness of breath, and and all this, right? And and we forget. And we become fearful and we become caught up in what's happening right now. This bitter water causes us to lose our memory. And we we lash out and we want to blame someone and we want to be like the Israelites. And we we say, like, if the government had done X, Y, Z, or if my company had done ABC or if my spouse had done this or my kids, it's just easy to become like them and say, you know, what are we going to drink? It's your fault. All of this is happening to me, right? The question is, why is it so easy to forget what God has done? Why is it so easy? It's because we're fickle people. It's because we live in this moment right now, right here. And so what feels, what we feel and what what is physically attacking us or or happening in our life whether it's a broken down car or it's something with the house or it's a job that we're losing or it's a physical ailment or it's sickness all those things are very real to us right now right here and we can get caught in this moment and this is all that matters and this is all that we can think about right when we are thirsty when something big or impactful happens, right, when we're thirsty, when we need that water like the Israelites, uh, it's all we, we can think about. It's in our nature to get locked into how we feel right now and just this tiny little bubble that is our world. And all we can, we're just consumed with how do we get out of here? What do I need to do? Now, this is why I'm a big fan, a big believer of, of journaling. This is, this is my current journal. I have, I have quite a few of them uh, that I've gone through, but this is, this is my current journal, and I'm a big fan of this. Now, I'm not the best journaler. <laughs> I go through seasons. Sometimes uh, I have a season where like, I write in my journal like once a month or maybe once every two months, uh, and then I have other seasons. Like Right now, I'm in the season where I write quite a, quite a few times per week in my journal and i'm just and my journal is just i just write to the lord and i have these conversations on paper with him and i talk about what's going on and what i've read from the bible and how it speaks to me but i'm a big believer in journaling and the reason for that is because whenever i finish a journal or at least once a year. Sometimes it takes me multiple years to, to finish a journal, especially from go through that season where I write once every month. Um, but I, I go back through my journals, and I read through them, and I look at them, and I see what God has done, and I look through, here are these challenges I had, and here's how God moved, and here was this thing I struggled with, and I'm still struggling with it. And like, God, are you going to move in that? And, I, and it just helps me remember who God is, right? That's why. Uh, that's why we have this Bible right here. This is God's word to us, and and this Old Testament is so important. A lot of people, there are a lot of Christians who think we just need to worry about the New Testament because that's where Jesus is, and 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 that's the most important part. And I, and to a degree, I agree. Uh, Jesus is the most important part. What he did on the cross, dying for us, is, is integral. That's the whole point of this whole story, but if you don't have the backstory, if you don't see God moving, before and wooing his people and showing that he wants them to have a full, fully dedicated and devoted heart to him, then 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 we don't understand why Jesus is so important. If we don't see the holiness of God as he as he gives the law in Exodus and Leviticus, and he says, "I am the Lord and I am holy," and and if if you if you've got any of these blemishes, you can't come before me. And if you have any of these sins, then you have to you have to deal with them ceremonially so you can even enter into my temple. Then you, then then. Once you understand that, you can understand how Jesus is our great sacrifice, how Jesus cleansed us completely, and, and, and is, is, is that, that, that atonement for us. And he sat down on the mercy seat. It's without that. If we don't have this backstory, if it's it's like that song that we first read, there's a reason they wrote it down. It's so that generations would know what God has done, right? whenever we have these moments where we, we get locked up, we have to remember, we have to go back. And it's so easy to be like the Israelites. I mean, they grumbled just three days after walking through the Red Sea. Three days, huge miracle, huge. I don't think anyone was walking around like trying to make up, like how that could have not been God. You know, oftentimes we have miracles happen or God moves in our life and we go, well, that could be coincidence or this person or whatever, or it could have been this or it could have been, and it probably, you know, and and you can live in that doubt. I don't think anyone doubted what happened. It was God, clearly. The wall, the water moved, there were walls, there was dry ground, it was not possible. And in three days, these people are grumbling again. They had these short memories, and we're not much different, right? And this is the pattern of the Israelites we see. We saw it at the Red Sea before, right? They said they grumbled against Moses, and then we see it later in, in chapter 16 of Exodus. They, they go on, and they say, hey, we're hungry. We got, we got our water. Now we're, now we're hungry. We don't have any food, and they, they grumble against Moses and Aaron, and God provides manna and quail for them to eat. And we see it in in verse eight of chapter 16. It says, Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. See, when we grumble and we cast blame because of life's circumstances, we're grumbling against God. You're not grumbling against uh, your leader or your employer or anything like that. You're grumbling against God. See, sometimes we want to blame others or even God for things that are nobody's fault. You know, sometimes the water is just bitter. Sometimes we come into life and the water is just bitter. Sometimes bad things happen. We live in a fallen world. There's a pandemic happening. There are things that happen. There are evil people in the world. There are people who who love to do bad things. There are people who want to steal your car. And there are people who want to do all kinds of things. And things just happen. And things happen to us. And sometimes that water is bitter, and we have to walk through that. See, when we experience life challenges, these water shortages, if you will, we need to remember and reflect on God's moving in the past. We need to. That's why we need to have that journal. That's why we need to read our Bible to go, here's who God is. Yes, this bad thing is happening. This situation is here. And, and, and I'm not going to just sit there and blame and grumble. I'm going to remember who God is and how he moves, hear this, bitter circumstances are an opportunity to trust in God. Bitter circumstances are an opportunity to trust in God. We have this opportunity in this moment where we may get caught up in that little bubble, but we can look back and we can go, you know what, I know who God is, and God will be with me. Look at this in Exodus 15, uh, verse 25, the first part of it says, Then Moses cried out to the Lord. See, they grumbled to Moses, and Moses saw the opportunity. Moses saw this opportunity to trust in God and who God is. He remembered what happened three days ago. So it says, He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Other versions says it sweetened the water. And this word showed, and the Hebrew word for that is actually where uh, they get the word Torah or or instruction. Uh, God didn't just show him like, hey, there's a tree. But like God informed him and instructed him and taught him how he could make this water unbitter and remove that bitter. And here's this beautiful thing. I want you to see this. I don't know if you saw it, but there's this grace that God has for his people. See, God doesn't get angry with the people or Moses because they're crying out, but he instructs and teaches Moses about this wood and he makes the water drinkable. He doesn't yell at them or 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 he doesn't get upset at them because they've forgotten. He is a God of grace and he loves and he cares and he's caring for these Israelites and he cares for you just as much. And I want you to see this. I think this is really neat. There's this beautiful metaphor right here of Christ. If you want to, if you want an opportunity to see Christ in the Old Testament, here it is in this chapter. See, we have these bitter waters, our old life, our sinful life, this life that is useless and, 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 and can't be used for anything good and nothing good can come from it. it's this brackish water this bitter water our sinful life and we're lost to it all on our own and then we have this tree or this wood that kind of represents the cross and it's thrown into the middle of our life christ invades our life and asks to be a part of it and we just we just have to believe in him and that 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 wood, just like it cleansed the water and removed the bitterness, cleanses our life cleanses our life. He, he, Jesus' blood on the cross cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he adopts us into his, into his family and he restores us and he justifies us. God looks at us and he sees his son and he sees us as if we've never sinned because of the payment of Christ. We had bitter life a bitter water that was that was far from God, that, that couldn't ever please God because it was it was sin and 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 broken. And then here comes this cross of Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins, and now we have sweet water. We have new life. We have this living water. It reminded me of John 4. It says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Hear this, Jesus will turn your bitter water into living water. Jesus will turn your bitter water into living water, a water welling up to eternal life. That's Jesus is and that's who God is and that's what we have to remember in our times of and our circumstances when we experience bitter water that Jesus gives living water we can be walking through life far from God we can be not paying attention and we can we can not even recognize he's there, but he is wooing us and drawing us to himself. And he wants you to know that you don't have to live in your bitter water. You don't have to drink the bitter water anymore. The cross can be thrown into your life. You can look to the cross and you can believe in Jesus and have new living life water. He is our salvation. Let's continue on Exodus 15 verses 15 through 26. Uh, sorry, 25 through 26. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all the his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. See, we see here, God is showing the Israelites. He's giving them a kind of, they haven't gotten to Mount Sinai yet. They haven't, he, had, he hasn't given them the law, the 10 commandments or any of that stuff, but he's He's starting to show them what he desires and what God desires of us is obedience. What God desires of us is our full dedicated heart to him. That's what he wants. And he's showing them, hey, this is what I want. And he kind of tests them with this water. Like, this is what I want. I want all of you. And then he gives them this new name, right? That they would know him by, the, the Lord who heals you. The, the new Beacon Bible commentary on Exodus says this. It says, I, the Lord, am your healer. That's, they're quoting that, that part of the verse. And it says, the name implies that as Yahweh healed the water, so Yahweh heals the Israelites. This healing includes not only the healing of their bodies from brutal treatments, but also the healing of their souls from bitterness, unbelief, and the slave mentality that prevented them from putting their wholehearted trust in their Redeemer. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God wants to heal you. He is the Lord who heals you. And that's his name for us. And that's what I want you to take away from today. It wasn't, you know, the title of today's message is, it's your fault. And we talk about grumbling, but I want you to hear that even in our grumbling, even in those circumstances, even in the bitter waters, God can bring healing to you. God wants to bring healing to you. Check this out. The end of chapter 15. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Like, it just got better. Following God and trusting in him, it just got better. He removed the bitterness, but then he brings them to this place where there are 12 springs of water, more water than they would need, and there's all these palm trees, and they can camp there, and they are near water, and he has provided for them. And that's what God wants to do for you. God wants to heal you. God wants to move in your life. So maybe maybe you're watching this today and, and you're not a follower of Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus, but this is your opportunity. Today is this day where you can, you can be delivered out of that bitter water. You can, you can have living water from Jesus Christ. So let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are the God who moves in our lives. And even when we forget, even when we grumble, even when we blame, you are here for us. And your desire is to remove the bitterness, to bring healing, and to redeem us. And so maybe you're watching today and you've never never said that prayer, you never have decided to follow Jesus, but you want to do that right now. Just say this prayer, Jesus Take the bitterness from my life. Take the bitterness from my life, Jesus. I give my life to you and I want to follow you and I want to obey you and and do what you've called me to do. And I just want to live in you and I want to have this living water. I don't want to thirst. I don't want to go through life with this bitter water anymore, this bitter life. I want to have living water and be fully quenched by you. Jesus, we thank you that you are our healer. God, we continue to put our trust in you. And we use these bitter circumstances, these bitter times, to remember who you are and to put our trust in you. God, I thank you so much for those who give here at Thorn Creek Church. And they honor you with their finances. God, would you continue to watch over them. And would you continue to bless them and continue to be with them, God. And would you bless the offering that comes into Thorn Creek this weekend as well. God, we love you so much. And we thank you that you are our healer. We pray this all in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church. give.